Good morning and welcome to our weekly church podcast. Uh, my name is Craig Chapel. I serve on staff as the senior pastor here at OCC, and uh, I just want to say welcome. We're so excited that you're joining us this weekend. Uh, if you're joining us online for the very first time, I want to encourage you to check out our website. Uh, go to OCC.org and then click the New Here tab. Uh, you can learn a little bit more about our church. Today, we're going to wrap up a short two-week message series called Attitude Adjustment. Now, last week, I talked about what it looks like to have an attitude of gratitude, you know, giving thanks in all circumstances. Having an attitude of gratitude is God's will, is his plan for your life in Christ. When you learn to give thanks in all circumstances, it changes your perspective. It keeps your focus on the Lord and helps you to view life's circumstances and struggles through the lens of God's word. Having an attitude of gratitude in Christ leads us to greater thankfulness, greater service, and greater generosity. So I'd like to wrap up our series today by sharing what God's word teaches about how we can find joy, true joy, even in the midst of suffering. I believe this will be a timely message, especially given the season that we've all been going through. I also believe that you're going to be encouraged by what God's word has to say about this topic. The Bible clearly teaches that Christians can experience true joy, even in the midst of suffering. Now, the kind of joy that I'm talking about today is not a worldly happiness or a worldly kind of joy. It's, it's a makarios kind of joy. That's the Greek word. It's a kind of joy that the world and circumstances cannot take away. This is a kind of happiness and joy that's only found in Christ. So how can we experience this kind of joy even when things aren't going our way, when the storms of life are hitting in full force? Well, before I answer this question, I think there are some other questions that we can and need to ask that will help to give us the solid scriptural foundation that we need to answer this specific question. And that's how I'd like for us to spend our time together today, uh, unpacking some of the common questions that people tend to have about suffering. Now, I'd like to remind you that I did do a two-part message several months ago that dealt with this question, um, why does God allow pain and suffering in our lives? Um, these messages were part of our Room for Doubt series that we did in partnership with Lincoln Christian University. So you can always go back and listen for the first time or re-listen to these messages through our weekly podcast. Um, just look for the Room for Doubt series as you scroll through the messages. So there are three questions that I'd like for us to consider today. Question number one, what are some of the common responses to suffering? So what are some of the common responses that people tend to have when they face difficult times? Question number two, why does God allow people to suffer? Now, this question has a lot to do with uh, these previous messages that we did a, a few months ago. So it'll tie into that uh, really well. And then number three, how can we find joy in the midst of suffering? So the other questions will lead us to that final question. Question number one, what are some of the common responses that people tend to have when they experience suffering in their lives? What are some of those common responses? Well, I would ask you to remember back to week one of our series on the book of Ruth. Now, this is a, a little while ago. We've all slept since then, but I think this will, it will come back to you today. I think Naomi's family, Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law, 
I think her family's story gives us a great answer to this first question. Her family was from Bethlehem in Judah, and there was a terrible famine in their homeland. That just means there was a, a major lack of food and resources that the families needed every single day. Now, Naomi's family, they could have responded to this situation and to the suffering that they were facing in their lives in a number of ways. They could have chosen to just try to endure what was happening. You know, they could have just stayed home, let whatever was going to happen, happen, hoping that their circumstances would magically change. They could have chosen to try and escape their suffering and, and escape their problems. That's, that's running from their problems, trying to take matters into their own hands. Or they could have chosen to enlist their problems and suffering. That means they could have chosen to put their faith in the promises and in the providence of God and then act on what they know to be true in God's word. See, people who enlist their problems and sufferings are also the same people who persevere in prayer. They look for God's purpose in the pain and for the lesson or the lessons that he wants to teach them. So, What did Naomi's family choose to do? Well, you already know the story. They chose to try and escape their problems and suffering. They thought they could just outrun their problems, and in doing so, they found themselves in the thick of even greater problems and suffering. Not only did Naomi lose her husband as well as her two sons, they they died while the family was living in the pagan country of Moab. They were never supposed to be there. But she also had to live with the consequences of her choices. But we also know the end of the story, that her life didn't stay that way. Her life didn't end in Moab. Eventually, she saw and accepted God's grace and his plan for a new beginning in her life. And we were reminded in that series that God is the God of second chances. He's the God of new beginnings. And that's so encouraging to me. So these are some of the common responses that people tend to have when they experience suffering in their own lives. Sometimes we think that we can somehow just endure our problems. You know, we can face them in our own strength. If we can just wait it out long enough, you know, we hold out for human hope instead of trusting in God's hope. It's also common to try and escape our problems when they become too much to bear. That's what Naomi and her family tried to do. Maybe you've quit a job prematurely and you look back now and you realize you probably shouldn't have done that. Maybe your marriage was really difficult and you decided to bail, even when there was still hope for restoration. Maybe you even just packed up everything that you have and moved cities all together to try to outrun the problems that you were facing. You know, friends, I have found in my own life that simply trying to escape my problems and try to escape the the suffering in my life usually only leads to greater problems. But there's a third option. See, we can choose to enlist our problems and sufferings. That means we can pray about these things. We can put our faith in Jesus. We can look for the lesson or the lessons that God is trying to teach us. I'm going to talk about this a little more uh, later on in the message today. As you'll see throughout this message, people who find true joy in Christ, even in the midst of suffering, they always fall into one of these three categories. Now, I'll let you guess which category that is, which category they fall into. It's not hard to guess which one that is. So these are some of the common responses to suffering. You can try to endure your problems and suffering. You can try to escape them, or you can enlist them and build your life on the promises of God. You can pray about these things. You can trust the Lord that he has a plan and a purpose 
even in the difficult times. So which of these describes your response during this season? I think that's an important question for all of us to ask. You know, as your pastor, as your friend, as a fellow Christian, as a a brother in Christ, I hope that you'll choose to enlist your problems and suffering, that you'll trust in the Lord, you'll build your life on his promises, not the world's. Question number two, why does God allow people to suffer? This is another very important question. You know, like anything else, um, we can choose to look for answers in all kinds of places. I mean, if you walk into your average bookstore, um, you'll see countless books that deal with, with this kind of question. But we want God's wisdom in our lives, not the world's. So we're going to get our answers directly from God's word. And thankfully, the Bible is not silent on a question like this. It doesn't leave us hanging. There's a lot of important truths in the Bible that help us answer this question. So God's word is, is very clear that God is not behind evil. What, what does that mean? Well, he's behind good because he is good. He causes good to happen. Um, and he's over evil because the Bible tells us God has authority over all things in heaven and on earth. But he's not behind evil. He doesn't cause evil and suffering to happen. Now, God does allow us to experience suffering, and he does this for specific reasons. He also disciplines us as his children, as any good parent would discipline their children. Again, the Bible is very clear in its teaching that everything that God does, he does with and for a purpose. So there's a purpose for the suffering in our lives. God can and does use our suffering for a purpose. So I'd like to share three of those purposes with you this morning. I'll do that briefly. The first one is this. This is so important. God uses suffering correctively. He uses suffering correctively. Psalm 119, verse 67 says, I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. So just like Naomi and her family, sometimes you and I are tempted to go our own way in life. And we're tempted to walk away from God's leading and, and to um, take a different path than the one that he's laid out for us. I think we already know the answer to this question, but what's the result of any choice that we make? Well, any choice that we make will have consequences. Good choices have consequences and bad choices have consequences. And the truth is, we all have to live with the consequences of our choices. The writer of this Psalm, 119 Verse 67, um, apparently wandered off at some point in his life. He wandered off from God's leading and direction. And he had to face the consequences of his choices. He experienced the discipline of a loving heavenly father. And now he tells us he follows God's word more closely because of that discipline. Because of how God used his suffering. This is just like the, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. You know, it often takes running away from home, exhausting all of our resources and hitting rock bottom before we finally come to our senses and realize that our heavenly father has always been there. He's always been there to welcome us home with open arms. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 says that no discipline is enjoyable while it's, while it's happening. In fact, it's painful. It says, but afterwards... There will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Friends, I can testify to this verse because it is so true. I see this in the lives of my kids. When my wife and I discipline our children in a scriptural way, 
Um, We see a season of right living. Well, it's the same for you and I. When God disciplines us, and he always disciplines perfectly, all right, because he's a perfect God, he's a perfect heavenly father. But when God disciplines us, it produces a season of right living. And I would be willing to guess that you've recognized this in your life at some point. So what if some of our experiences of pain and suffering have actually been a result of God's gracious, wonderful, corrective plan? Pain and suffering can actually become a blessing in disguise when we learn to trust that God can use them to correct our thoughts, attitudes, and actions, helping us get back on the right path. God uses suffering correctively, uh, consistently throughout his word. Again, we have to remember he doesn't cause the suffering, but he can and he does use it correctively in our lives. The second thing is this, that God uses suffering constructively. So he uses it correctively, but he also uses suffering constructively. I think the best passage um, that speaks to this truth is Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. This is what the writer says. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I believe the Apostle Paul is the author of Romans. And uh, he wrote these words to Christians who are living in Rome And in this part of his letter, he's reminding them that God uses suffering correctively. And he does this for a specific reason. And that reason is to build Christ-like character in our lives. Think about it this way. Um, Your favorite landmark or your favorite building, the things that you like to look at that are man-made, these things didn't just pop up overnight. No, it took thousands of hours of planning, gathering materials and building to achieve the final product. You know, what you're able to see and admire today, this didn't just happen overnight. God's goal for your life, the final product of your life, is that you would become more and more like Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to develop Christ-like character in your life. But again, this does not happen overnight. Becoming a mature believer, a mature Christian, this doesn't happen overnight. But we're reminded that God can and does use the suffering in our lives constructively. He does this to build Christ-like character. Remember back to last week's message, specifically 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I'm going to reference these verses a couple of times today. Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God never asks, asks us to give thanks for all circumstances. But he does ask us to give thanks in all circumstances. There's a big difference there. There's a big difference between for and in. He asks us to give thanks in all circumstances, and that includes in the midst of suffering. See, we give thanks. We can rejoice in our suffering because we know that God can use our suffering constructively. If you're a Christian, um, you can expect to experience suffering in this life. I mean, after all, Jesus suffered. And we're called to take up our cross and follow him daily. So why would we expect anything less than that? But we should also remember that there's always purpose in the pain. God can and does use our suffering to build Christ-like character in our lives, to make us more like Jesus. Number three, 
God uses suffering for his glory and for our good. He uses suffering for his glory and for our good. I don't know if there's anyone in scripture whose life illustrates this truth more clearly than Joseph's does in the Old Testament. His life is a perfect example. From the moment we're first introduced to Joseph as a 17-year-old young man in Genesis 37 to his rise to power in Egypt at the age of 30 in Genesis 41, We see him endure things like jealousy, betrayal, enslavement, false accusation, and even imprisonment. Friends, this is more pain and suffering than most people endure an entire lifetime. Yet in the later years of his life, Genesis 50, as as the book concludes, he was able to respond in this way to the same brothers who'd once betrayed him and sold him into slavery. This is what he says. Genesis 50, verse 20, says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph had learned to recognize God's providence and goodness and grace, even in the midst of suffering. You know, through, through all the suffering and injustice he'd faced, he learned an important truth about God, a truth that would one day be expressed in the words of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And this is amazing. Romans eight twenty eight says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So imagine that. Paul knows, has heard, has read this response from Joseph, and now he's able to respond in the exact same way. What a promise to remember, especially in the midst of a season like this, in the midst of a pandemic. Friends, we need to build our lives on this promise. The truth is, God is able to work in all things for our good, in all things, in all seasons, in all times. And just like the word all, In 1 Thessalonians 5 that I just read from last week's message as well, just like that word all means all there, all means all here as well. But this promise can only be claimed by those who are in Christ, those who know Jesus, those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So why does God allow his people to suffer? These are three scriptural reasons that we can all remember and apply to our lives today. God uses suffering correctively. He doesn't cause the suffering, but he can and does use it to help us get back on the right path. God uses suffering constructively. He can and does use the suffering that we experience to build godly character in our lives, to make us more like Christ. God uses suffering for his glory and for our good. He can work in all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And we, when we respond to that, in a scriptural way, when we become more like Christ, we live for God, that is for the glory of God. These three truths help us address a question like this biblically. They help us see it through the lens of scripture. I love that that the Bible does that for us. You know, one of the greatest ways to interpret scripture is with scripture. I mean, yes, there's a lot of commentaries out there and they're great, But the best commentary for the Bible is the Bible itself. And one of the greatest ways to interpret Scripture is using more Scripture. And that leads us to our final question for today. How can we find joy in the midst of suffering? How can we find joy in the midst of suffering? Again, I would ask you to think back to 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, before you can give thanks... 
You have to learn to rejoice. Paul reminds us to rejoice always. These words, they're also translated as be truly glad. So Paul's instruction is to be truly glad always. The kind of joy that we're talking about today is not a worldly kind of joy. It's joy that's only found in Christ. I have to believe that there's someone listening in today that does not know Jesus, that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I would say if that describes your life, if, you, if you'd be honest with yourself today, the very first question that you need to answer is this. Who do you believe that Jesus really is? Not, not who does your parents believe or your friends or your coworkers, but who do you believe that Jesus is? Do you believe that he was just a good man, someone who said a lot of really good things and lived a long time ago? Or do you believe that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you'd like to learn more about what it means to know Christ, you'd like to make a decision for Jesus, I want to encourage you to email us at go to occ.church at gmail.com. Go to occ.church at gmail.com. I want to talk with you about this. I want to talk to you about God's plan of salvation and how you can take that next step to know the Lord. You know, it's when we truly know Christ that we learn to rejoice always, to be truly glad in the Lord. And we rejoice because we know that we're saved and secure in Christ. We rejoice because we know that Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority belongs to him. We rejoice because we know that this season of suffering will soon pass and that God is able to use whatever it is that we go through for his glory and for our good. We rejoice today because we're being made more and more into the image of Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. We rejoice because when I am weak, when you are weak, God is strong. We rejoice because God's word can be trusted. Everything that God says will happen will happen, and everything that God does, he does perfectly. In Christ, we can rejoice always. We can pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. In Christ, we can experience true joy, not the world's joy, the world's happiness that's circumstantial, but a kind of joy that the world cannot take away, even in the midst of suffering. And God can use the suffering that we experience for our good. Friends, God wants you to find joy, even in the midst of suffering. He wants you to experience joy, regardless of the circumstance or season. There is true joy in Christ. I want to encourage you today to allow God's word to give you an attitude adjustment in this area. Put your trust and your hope in the Lord. And find a kind of joy that the world cannot take away. Maybe you've already committed your life to Christ. You've already trusted Jesus for salvation. But this season has been really difficult. And today you just need to say, God, I need to, I need to recommit my life. I need to make that decision to get back on the right path. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to do that. Pray about those things and, and start anew. You know, today marks the beginning of Advent. Advent means coming in Latin. As Christians, this is a season when we celebrate the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, into the world. 
I want to invite you to join us during the month of December as we read through the Gospel of Luke. We're going to read one chapter per day, starting on December 1st, leading up to Christmas Day. If you do that, you'll have read through the entire chapter. It's not a lot of reading, but your life will be greatly blessed if you do this. We're going to prepare our hearts and our minds to celebrate the birth of Christ. You can actually access a copy of our Advent reading plan in the bulletin notes today. Um, You can't get that on the podcast, so you'll have to find our live service on Sunday, and you can download those, or we can send you a copy uh, through email. Next week, we're going to kick off our Christmas message series. I'm calling this series Christmas Catchphrase. You are not going to want to miss this series. In fact, I want to encourage you to invite a family member, a friend, or even a neighbor to join us online this year. You know, if, they're, if we're not having services in person, I, I don't know what that's going to look like at that point, uh, but they can always join us online. And this is the perfect time of year to invite someone to church and to introduce someone to Christ. Church family, I, I look forward to celebrating this season with you.